Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the depths of Friedrich Nietzsche's pivotal work, Beyond Good and Evil. Initially published in 1886, this groundbreaking text offers a powerful critique and re-evaluation of the moral philosophies that shaped Western thought. Nietzsche's work boldly questions the foundations of truth, self and morality, challenging readers to reconsider what is considered good and evil. Through its incisive analysis and Nietzsche's signature wit, Beyond Good and Evil has left an indelible mark on European philosophy, heralding the advent of existential and postmodern thought. Friedrich Nietzsche stands among the titans of European philosophy, known for his radical ideas and literary flair. His works echo with an intellectual audacity that has profoundly influenced the trajectory of philosophical inquiry. Authored in a period of exceptional creativity before his mental collapse in 1889, Nietzsche's writings, including Thus Spoke Zarathustra, On the Genealogy of Morals, and Twilight of the Idols, remain endlessly fascinating. Beyond Good and Evil is a must-read for philosophy students seeking to explore Nietzsche's complex ideas. General readers with an interest in the classics of Western philosophy will find this book both stimulating and challenging, as it invites them to scrutinize their deeply held beliefs. If you're ready to embark on a philosophical journey that questions the very fabric of your convictions, join us as we explore the profound pages of Beyond Good and Evil. Beyond Good and Evil How to Free Yourself from Philosophical Dogmas and Assert Your Own Values Introduction Delving Deeper Than Morality A Journey Beyond Good and Evil Imagine for a moment a world unrestrained by the familiar shackles of morality and customary beliefs, where notions of good and evil dissolve into a broader landscape of power, instinct, and life's inherent struggles. Welcome to the provocative philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche, a thinker who dares us to break free from the chains of dogmatic thought and peer into the chasm beyond our accepted moral constructs. Writing from the depths of his philosophical insight, Nietzsche challenges our comfortable assumptions, suggesting that Western society is plagued by a malady that distorts reality. His masterpiece, Beyond Good and Evil, represents a bold incision into the facade of Western philosophy and morality, daring to expose the prejudices, fallacies, and darker motives veiled underneath. In this narrative, prepare to explore the deceptive nature of our purported intentions, the intricate tangle linking what we perceive as truth to the threads of power, and the stark revelation that the morality we champion might, in fact, bear the seed of immorality within its core. Join us on this journey through Nietzsche's vision, where you may discover that what you had held as virtuous might just be a veneer over the true essence of human existence. Part 1. Philosophy's Hidden Biases Unpacking the Assumptions We Take for Granted In the field of Western philosophy, there's a long-held obsession with finding a rock-solid starting point, an irrefutable truth from which all other truths can spring forth. This quest for an undeniable beginning is best epitomized by René Descartes' famous declaration, I think, therefore I am. 
But is it possible to dive into the depths of philosophical inquiry without any preconceived notions? Friedrich Nietzsche skeptically eyed this Cartesian aspiration and the notion that philosophical musings could ever be free of subtext. The German iconoclast wasn't afraid to challenge the crestfallen heroes of philosophy, suggesting they unwittingly smuggled hidden biases into their cerebral constructs. With a particularly critical gaze, Nietzsche surveyed the landscape of Western philosophy and noted its lingering infatuation with Christian theological concepts. Thinkers, even in the waning days of fervent Christian belief, nonchalantly accepted ideas like the existence of the soul or the inviolability of morality. According to Nietzsche, this was a classic case of intellectual double-dealing, with philosophers proclaiming the truth on high while merely dressing their own cultural biases in scholarly garb. This leads us to the key insight. Crafting a philosophy without ingrained assumptions is a near-impossible feat. Returning to I think, therefore I am, this axiom, seen by many as an unshakable certainty, might not be so rock-solid after all. Nietzsche sliced through this presumed clarity with vigorous scrutiny. What if, as he suggests, the very notion of the I is not the thinker, but a byproduct of the thought? What if the very concept of thinking, which we take for granted, is not at all what we're doing? It's precisely these kinds of assumptions, regarded as self-evident truths, that Nietzsche argues are ripe for skepticism. When philosophers claim an idea is self-evident, it's often because such notions are deeply woven into the fabric of their perspective, obscuring the view of those convictions as anything but unquestionable truths. As we venture further into Nietzsche's contrarian vision, will unravel the layers of presuppositions embedded within the legacy of philosophy, each layer an untold story of unexamined belief. Part 2. The illusion of a unified self and the inherent will to power unravel the concept of the soul. And what do you find? Nietzsche insists that this age-old construct, dating back to Christianity, has surreptitiously influenced our understanding of the self. This self according to popular opinion, is a coherent entity, eternally consistent and morally inclined. But is it? Let's dissect this notion. The unified self, as we often conceive it, is a mirage. According to Nietzsche, there is no single entity steering the ship of our consciousness. Instead, we're teeming with a vibrant mix of conflicting inclinations and imprints, desires that jostle for the spotlight within our minds. And at the core of this commotion, the will to power, the universal drive that pulls the strings behind our actions. The key revelation, the notion of a seamless self is an illusion. The will to power is the dominant force. Humanity, in Nietzsche's view, is not vastly different from the untamed wilderness of nature. With the wisdom imparted by Charles Darwin, it becomes clear that humans too are driven by primitive impulses to procreate, assert dominance, and claim their territory. This untamed drive is what Nietzsche dubs the will to power, an instinctual push toward dominance and expansion, inexorably woven into the fabric of life. Philosophers and spiritual beliefs across eons have adorned humanity with noble qualities, attempting to scrub away our baser instincts. Yet Nietzsche contends that beneath this facade, the beast prevails. 
consider acts of charity and kindness. We often attribute such deeds to altruism and virtuousness. But Nietzsche prompts us to look closer. Could there be a shadow of self-interest or attraction motivating our generosity? Nietzsche throws into question the very usefulness of understanding our hidden drives. Can we handle the harsh glare of truth, or is it more comforting to cling to the gracious myths that we've spun around our nature? In his razor-sharp critique, Nietzsche suggests that sometimes the fabrications we hold dear might be preferable to the unwelcome truths they mask. Part 3. The Myth of Universal Truths and the Reality of Individual Perspectives Dive into the history of Western thought and you'll find a cornerstone that has supported philosophy for millennia. The belief in an absolute, unalterable truth. A concept rooted in Platonic ideals and perpetuated by Christianity. This age-old notion posits that there exist fixed, eternal truths, standing aloof from the fluctuating realm of human experience. Nietzsche boldly challenges this Aristotelian Platonic concept of truth refuting the idea that ideals such as justice and beauty hold some divine, transcendent status. Instead, he flips the script, positing that the tangible, ever-evolving world of our own experiences is the only reality we can grasp. The key proposition, eternal, objective truths that surpass our perspective simply do not exist. At the heart of Nietzsche's philosophy lies the belief that reality is synonymous with our perceived world, a tapestry of changing phenomena. This perspective relegates concepts like justice to mere linguistic tools, shaped by human hands to bring order to chaos, not otherworldly edicts etched in the fabric of the universe. Differences in experience lead to a kaleidoscope of interpretations, revealing why a single, monolithic perspective on the world is unattainable. This diversity of viewpoints is precisely what Nietzsche terms perspectivism, the acknowledgement that truth is inherently tethered to the myriad perspectives of individual observers. Nietzsche was quick to criticize his philosophical peers for their presumption to speak universally, to claim their view as the universal lens through which all should see. But he likewise recognized that persuading others to adopt one's thinking is practically unavoidable. It's part of humanity's natural tendency toward the will to power. In fact, Nietzsche regards philosophy itself as a sublime manifestation of this will to power, a battle of intellects where ideas vie for ascendancy in the collective consciousness. With Nietzsche's insights, we're invited to consider the possibility that what we've accepted as immutable truths may instead be reflections of our individual experiences, woven together in a vibrant tapestry of human understanding. Part 4. Confronting the Consequences of Christian Morality on Individual Potential Nietzsche, ever the provocateur, zeroes in on the conventional wisdom that has shaped the moral compass of Western civilization, Christian morality. This set of principles, characterized by altruistic virtues such as kindness, modesty and empathy, has long been the bedrock of philosophical endeavors to substantiate a moral code. Historically, philosophers like Immanuel Kant have fervently contended that moral principles can be derived through pure reason. Yet, 
Niteji identifies a glaring oversight in their reasoning, a failure to scrutinize the intrinsic value of morality itself. The probing insight Nietzsche offers is this. Christian morality serves the collective, often at a significant cost to individual aspirations and strength. Christian morality, as Nietzsche sees it, is not an ennobling force, but rather a code that has been historically fashioned to subdue individuals, transforming them into compliant, conforming members of a societal herd. This herd morality saps the individual's vitality in favor of the group's well-being. To visualize this, Nietzsche draws a stark contrast between the vitality of ancient barbarians and the subdued nature of contemporary Europeans. The implication is clear. Embrace of a restrictive moral schema, more preoccupied with external relations than internal growth, has potentially misguided humanity from its innate power and resilience. Christian morality, rather than escrowing our more violent impulses, has merely rechanneled that energy inward, according to Nietzsche. The will to power, intrinsic to our being, instead of finding outward expression, now turns into a weapon of self-oppression within the framework of the Christian moral code. By prodding at these foundational values, Nietzsche urges us to question this shift. Are we suppressing the very qualities that might have been directed toward our self-fulfillment under the guise of morality? The question Nietzsche poses strikes at the heart of the discourse on individuality versus conformity, prompting a re-examination of the moral structures that shape our existence. Part 5. The Historical Tug-of-War Between Master and Slave Moralities Nietzsche urges us to embark on a historical quest, peering into the genesis of our deepest values to uncover their origins, not in the essence of human nature, but in the sediment of cultural evolution. It takes a colossal leap of the imagination to think of things as intimate as love or compassion, as mere constructs of a particular era or culture. Yet, this is the challenge Nietzsche lays before us, to recognize that the virtues we deem innate may in fact be the products of our history. The annals of humanity show a rich and varied tapestry of moral frameworks. From the acceptance of slavery in ancient Greece, abhorrent by today's standards, to today's values, it's evident that morality is mutable with time and place. Nietzsche examines this historical variation and identifies two archetypes of morality, master morality and slave morality, distinguished by their origins in social class. The key insight, modern European morality, traces its roots back to the reactive framework of slave morality. In pre-Christian societies, the aristocracy lived by a code that we would now consider foreign. These masters saw virtues such as strength, freedom, and power as good, defining themselves and their noble attributes within their own moral framework. In contrast, the negative side of their spectrum, the bad, was characterized by weakness, poverty, and subjugation. Nietzsche dubs this the master morality a self-affirming, ego-validating value system that aligns with the qualities of the ruling class and embraces the pursuit of fulfillment and pleasure. However, running concurrently was a counter-morality born from the resentment and impotence of the oppressed, which Nietzsche terms 
slave morality. This viewpoint casts the attributes of the ruling class as evil, with the good being those qualities that made life's hardships more bearable, such as humility and sympathy. Nietzsche's primary distinction between these two moral codes is their orientation towards life itself, where master morality is life celebrating. Slave morality is seen as life denying, aiming to contain and punish the exuberance of the strong. Christianity, in Nietzsche's historical narrative, emerges as a potent vessel for disseminating slave morality. Eventually, with the ascent of Christianity within Roman society, these submissive values seeped into the minds of the elite, fundamentally transforming the moral landscape to echo the sentiments of the once silenced classes. Part 6. Navigating the Perilous Intersection of Christian Morality and Cultural Evolution If there's one significant impact of Christianity that Nietzsche cannot overlook, it's the role it played in promoting the notion of societal equality, casting aside ancient class distinctions in favor of spiritual egalitarianism. While modern sensibilities may applaud this move toward equity, Nietzsche warns not to be too hasty in our approval. To him, adherence to notions of equality, particularly outside of Christian dogma, signifies a refusal to confront an uncomfortable truth. Humans are intrinsically dissimilar in their capabilities and contributions. With this, Nietzsche calls us to recognize the innate variances in human talent and intellect and to tailor our value systems accordingly. He contends that the all-encompassing, Uniform moral prescriptions laid out by Christian doctrine can suffocate those rarefied spirits whose independent outlook foreshadows cultural advancement. The key consideration. Christian moral imperatives risk stifling the intellectual and cultural progress built on the backs of the extraordinary. Because conventional morals are designed for conformity, they unwittingly create a homogeneous societal landscape dulling the vibrance brought forth by independent thought and reducing humanity to shades of sameness. Such a society, constrained and unvaried, is ill-suited to foster the genius of innovative thinkers and trailblazers. Nietzsche saw all around him a world resistant to deviations from the norm, quashing those who dared to venture beyond the bounds of acceptable conduct. To him, this was a tragic derailment from the path of cultural development, for it is the singular contributions of exceptional minds that have historically propelled humanity's greatest strides in science, philosophy, and the arts. Thus unfolds Nietzsche's paradox. In a world bereft of the cradle of Christianity, to persist in the ideal of equality is to betray progress. Nietzsche believed the true thrust of politics should be to cultivate the conditions that nurture and sustain exceptional intellects and personalities, the kind that reshape the contours of civilization. In advocating inequality, Nietzsche is advocating not for the supremacy of the few, but for the potential betterment of all through the contributions of the exceptional. Part 7. The dawn of the free spirit philosopher heralds a new epoch. Amidst this stark assessment of human motives and society's trajectory, Friedrich Nietzsche offers a glimmer of hope, a prescient vision. The imminent arrival of free spirits, a new breed of philosophers with the power to rejuvenate and transform European culture. 
But who are these free spirits, and how will we recognize them when they step into the limelight? Nietzsche describes them as self-sovereign individuals, those who construct their own values, not out of an obligation to societal mores, but from an inner fountain of self-created principles. Moreover, these new philosophers would approach their viewpoints with an air of levity, ever willing to explore new intellectual landscapes. The Key Proclamation Nietzsche foresaw the emergence of philosophers who would liberate themselves from the strictures of societal dogma. These revolutionary minds wouldn't simply regurgitate the lines of master or slave morality that permeated their culture. Rather, they would craft an innovative synthesis, a bespoke ethos, sculpted from the attributes of both. Commanders of their domain, yet servitors to their self-styled discipline, these free spirits would marshal their instinctual energies towards noble pursuits and groundbreaking creations. Unlike their predecessors, bound to the ideal of an absolute and immutable truth, the free spirits would engage with the pluralism of perspectives, sampling philosophies and ideas with the curiosity of an artist trying on costumes, none of which are expected to fit perfectly. To them, the concepts of good and evil would be relics, echoes of eras past, cultural totems that bear witness to the mindset of a bygone age. Nietzsche suggests that just as we tire of old clothes and seek new attire, so too must we re-envision our moral frameworks, setting aside the outworn dualities of good and evil and donning the fresh vestments of a renewed philosophical vision. In this spirit, Nietzsche calls for an awakening, a philosophical renaissance, that rebuffs the sedimented doctrines of the past in favor of a vanguard of thought unfettered by the chains of conventional morality and attuned to the diverse harmonies of human perspective. Final Summary Friedrich Nietzsche's scrutiny of Western philosophy reveals what he perceives as a vast intellectual enterprise devoted to legitimizing Christian doctrine under a secular guise. Far from being confined to the abstract corridors of thought, he suggests that the moral compass inherited from Christian teachings has spread its tendrils through the very fabric of European society, bringing about a pervasive sense of mediocrity that hampers the flourishing of individuals with the capacity for original, sovereign thought. But Nietzsche's critique is not just a dissection, it's also a call to arms for transcendence. He envisions the rise of a transcendent philosopher, a harbinger of transformation who transcends the confines of traditional Christian morality. This philosopher would not simply be an iconoclast, but a creator of values, a constructor of new frameworks for making sense of the world that eschew the life-denying ethics of the past. Nietzsche's prophecy foresees a future where these free spirits, these new leaders of thought, would engage in the divine work of self-creation, giving birth to a constellation of values and meanings to revitalize European culture. Their task is not a mere revolt against the old, but an elevation to a new order of existential authenticity and intellectual freedom. The Nietzschean philosopher is positioned as a trailblazer whose transformative creative power will inspire and steer humanity towards a future unbounded by the restraints of outdated moral systems.
Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.